0: scripture that's going to go along with our lesson this morning, the main scripture anyway, is from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. The Bible says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of of the Lord and statutes which I command you today, for your good. Our lesson this morning is simply entitled "The Christian." We think about how we find a Christian in the in the Bible in the New Testament. We know you look at the New Testament, we find that a Christian is described in the New Testament as an individual who has obeyed the gospel of Christ being immersed for the mission of their sins and added to the body of Christ, which is the church, as we find in Galatians 3, 26 and 27. But we're looking at today more specifically is how do we find the Christian following their obedience to the gospel? You know, we sometimes we think of, if you were to think of your life, kind of like Acts, like, you know, in the play you have Act 1, Act 2, those types of things, that we may say Act 1 is prior to our Obedience. Act two is our obedience to the gospel. What happens in Act Act part in the third act when we after we have obeyed the gospel? What happens after that? We think about the Christian life. There are certain things which accompany anyone who is a Christian. And when we say a Christian, as I said before, we're talking about someone who has obeyed the gospel. We're talking about someone who has, as the Bible tells us, has heard the word of God, believed it, repented of their sins, confessed Christ, been immersed in baptism, and have been added to the body of Christ, or now is striving to live faithfully before God. We find all those things revealed in the New Testament. We find those things found in, uh, specifically in the book of Acts as well, as Chris was teaching class this morning. When we think about the Christian following obedience, and the first thing that comes to my mind is that the Christian is loyal? There's really only two main points to my lesson this morning, and this is the first one: is that the Christian is loyal. We think about that idea of being loyal to someone. You know, sometimes in the business world, they we'll talk about loyalty of a of a uh, employee to the to the company and things such as that. Especially when they've been there for a long time. Many times, you get to the retirement age. If they're a good company, they thank you for your, for your loyalty and they reward you accordingly with, with the retirement that's been promised over the years, right? Hopefully they don't do something that's immoral to you. But a good company will honor you for your loyalty and show their thankfulness to you for that. And we find that throughout the New Testament, we find examples of this in the Old Testament as well, that when we are loyal to God, there are no doubt many blessings that come along with it. But we have to realize, when we think about loyalty, we mean that the Christian does not follow self or man. That means that we follow the word of God. There is a big difference between saying I'm a Christian and then saying I'm a Christian and actually not following ourself and not following man. Think about this for a second. Has anyone ever told you they're something? and then come to find out later by your interactions with them, you find out they're really not meeting that criteria. You know, I've had people tell me they are, uh, <laughs> I had someone tell me, well, I'm an I'm electrician. So, okay, you know, we could use your help with something. When it came to find out they weren't really an electrician. What they were, well, they was a D- DIYer who really had only done such things as, you know, changing a light bulb or putting in a new light switch and they thought they were electrician. They're not really what we'd think of, right? You want to hire them to rewire your home, would you? Well, no, they're not touching it. But a Christian is loyal in the sense that they do not follow self or man. Look at Proverbs chapter 23 and looking at verse seven. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he eat and drink, he says, but his heart is not with you. Now we wanna notice that first phrase. So as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Think about that for a moment. If we are faithful to God, the first person who knows it is God. If we are disloyal to God, the first person who knows it is God. We think about that phrase, for as He thinks in his heart, so is He. Well, so many times we think that we are following God, but sometimes we realize that we're really not. In the heart is the idea here, the idea of who we truly are, when the doors are closed, when no one's around. Who are we really? It is not enough to be a member of the church. We must not follow man. A Christian must be bold enough to follow the commands of God in the face of a wicked world. We do not follow the traditions of man. We do not follow the standards of man. First Peter chapter one, verses 13 through 15 says there, therefore gird up the loins of your mind Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And we talk about here this, this idea, I think in many ways, is the idea of going beyond our words. You probably have heard the phrase "actions speak louder than words," and no doubt it does. It's one thing to say say something; it's another thing to actually carry it out, right? And he tells us here. As you look at 13 through 15, he tells us there, as obedient children. Now, notice not conforming yourselves to the former lust. That's a reference to. The way you used to live prior to your conversion you don't live like that anymore that change in fact the word repentance implies a change and then we have that obedience to the gospel which includes baptism we write we 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 are buried with christ in baptism as we find the book in romans we rise up in newness of life the idea there we are a new creature right thus we find here this this old lifestyle is referred to as the former lust he says as in your ignorance that is before Obeying the gospel. Now notice this: but as he who called you is holy, that is God, and the, the Apostle Paul, as Chris is talking about this morning, we find there in Acts 9 his his conversion into which we're leading up to. But is the Apostle Paul who later tell us that we are called by the gospel? We're not called by a small, still voice in the middle of the night, but we are called by the gospel. What we were talking about there is when we hear the word of God, as we find in Romans 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing. And so we find here in verse 15, that same idea, just as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Now, as we look at the man we know as Job in chapter 1 and chapter 2. The Bible refers to Job many times and when when God speaks of Job because says he is a man who is perfect, right? But the idea there, we look at that term perfect and how it's used in the context and the meaning of it. It's not the idea of perfect which we think. He wasn't sinless. The idea there is that he was blameless, which means there was nothing you could hold against him. David was a man who after God's own heart, but he was far from perfect, wasn't he? But so long as he repented when he sinned, he would be held as one of those who was blameless. But we can't be blameless if we don't repent of our sins. And so we find here that we are to be holy. We are to be without blame in all of our conduct. That is, we try, we strive to be holy as he is holy. And when we fail to do so, we repent of those things. Because again, we go back here in verse in these verses, here we find that phrase as obedient children. You know the Christians refer to many times as a child of God, right? And so we are the children of God when we obey the gospel. What well, we are reminded of here that we are to be what kind of children? We are to be obedient children. Notice this for a moment. As we back up to verse thirteen, he says, "There, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind." You know we find the idea many times in the bible of girding up your loins the idea uh, is prepare yourself but here is it is preparing your mind because as we have mentioned many times before from various men here it is that the battle we face against sin and temptation begins in our minds it begins in our minds before it really is carried out to fruition right so gird up the loins of your mind be sober that is be clear-minded and rest your hope fully Upon the grace that is to be revealed, that is to be brought to you, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and so we are to be those who follow God. We are to be those who reject the traditions of man, who reject these standards of man. What we mean by that is just because man has done something for a long period of time, thus a tradition, doesn't mean it's always right. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. And just because man says something is okay doesn't mean God says it is not sin. So therefore we do not follow the traditions of man, nor do we follow the standards of man. We as loyal, being loyal to God, not only must we be those who do not follow self or man, we want to be those who follow God. We want to be very specific. We follow God, we reject man. We reject the ways of man. It is not enough. To abstain from a crowd from abstain from following a crowd to do evil one must choose for yourselves whom you will serve we find that in exodus 23 in verse 2 and Joshua 24 and verse 15 it's not enough to stay away from the rough crowd you know someone who is Moral, in the sense the world would say, someone who doesn't go out and drink and do those types of things, someone who doesn't cheat on their spouse, someone who's not out involved in fornicate, fornication, those types of things. While those things are good in themselves, that doesn't mean they are a follower of God. Because while the world has a lot of immorality in it, there are still a lot of non-Christians who do a lot of very moral things and avoid a lot of immorality. But that does not mean that they are a follower of God. To be a follower of God, it goes beyond just abstaining from following that crowd to do evil. It means we choose deliberately and purposefully to follow God and Him alone. It is a determined selection that we choose to follow God. We find, look at Psalm 119, verses two and three, that we must be those who are doers, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. Think about that for a moment. We know, as we'll talk about in a moment, that from James chapter 1, we talk about being doers and hearers. But here we find the same idea, don't we, in Psalm 119? But we are to be those who do his word. How? By keeping his testimonies, keeping his word. He goes on to say, who seek him with the whole heart you ever done, you ever had a hobby that you're really, really interested in and you really want to do that hobby as much as you possibly can? Do you really, if you're really invested in it, do you go after it just haphazardly or do you really put a lot of time and effort into it? Brother Chuck, you know much about him, he is a woodworker and over the years, there's no doubt he's put a lot of work into it, a lot of determination, a lot of skill and those types of things. But if he was to go after it haphazardly, I'm sure his project would turn out more looking like some of the things I tried to create. What I mean by that is he puts his whole heart into it. Here, the idea in verses 2 and 3, what are we to do? Put our whole heart into following after God, not going after it in some haphazard way, right? We put forth all of our effort to following God because the end result is we as Christians one day will have heaven as our home. Therefore, it deserves more than just a haphazard attempt, right? He tells us there in verse 3, they they also do no iniquity. Again, this is not the idea of perfection, but the idea is they are not those who are involved in a sinful lifestyle. He says there in verse 3, they walk in all his ways, which would include, part of his ways include repentance when sin takes place, right? Blessed. Are those who keep his testimonies like like has been pointed out so many times before the word blessed can also refer to the idea of happiness happy is a person who keeps his testimonies James chapter 1 verses 22 through verse 24 we find that we must that when we stop doing what we are supposed to do we become hearers only look at verses 22 through 3 through 24 James chapter 1 but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We say sometimes we lie to ourselves, don't we? i watched one television show with Lisa, and, and in one particular section, there's always those who step on a scale to weigh themselves, and the doctor would tell them that the scale doesn't lie, that people do. <laughs> that is, you can make up excuses for it, but what it says, but it still says what it says, right? Well, when it comes to our faithfulness, we can make excuses for it, but the end result is it's, our faith is just whatever it is we make of it, or the lack thereof, right? Deceiving ourselves, he says there in verse 22, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, and notice this, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. If he observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he was. The idea there is when he stops doing God's word and stops even listening to it, he's no longer even a hearer. He says it's like he just forgets altogether who he is. When we become hearers only, and eventually not even hearers only, we forget, that is reject, who we are supposed to be for God entirely. When we forget God, we become someone who is no longer approved of, who is no longer approved in his sight. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, looking at verse 11, he says there beware that you do not forget the Lord your God, by, by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, I command you today. How, did, did he, how does he describe forgetting God? By disobedience. This wasn't like the idea is, oh, well, who's God? The idea is they don't do his commands. Therefore, they must have forgotten God. So we forget God when we stop obeying him. Look at verse 19. He says, then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God, that is, you don't follow His commands, right? Back to verse 11. And follow other gods. He adds more to it. He says, and serve them and worship them, and testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. You know, we have to realize that God has not played games with anyone unfaithful or faithful. God takes everything very seriously. See, it's only man that likes to play games. It's only a man who likes to come and and be here and not be here. It's only a man who likes to listen and not listen. It's only a man who likes to hear certain things. God doesn't behave that way. God was the same God he was yesterday, and he'll be the same God he is you know, he's the same God he was yesterday as he is today. He'll be the same God today as he will be tomorrow. He is not changing. He's the same God, the Old Testament, as He is today. That is one who hates sin and wants mankind to have heaven as their home. It's the same God. It's the same one. But we are warned what happens if we forget God. You know, the Christian lives a life of obedience and rejection. The Christian is obedient to God daily daily we are obedient to god and when we fail to do so we correct it right but every day we are striving to be obedient to god and i say daily because i don't think it's i don't think we should put on here longer than that because i think it's fair to say that every day we strive to be a better follower of god than we were the day before and we build up upon it right any good leader any good any person any position society strives to improve every single day you know what's really interesting about those who talk about how they're trying to improve their lives and get better no matter what field they're in you know they talk about doing reading they talk about reading what is it that a christian should read and study every day the word of god it's interesting that God's Word, we have to read it. Sure, we can listen to it. We can see it in memes, but to really study it, we have to read it for ourselves, right? An idea and a, a system that is still carried out by many people today and encouraging people to read, of course, they encourage them to read all kinds of things, but the Christian is to read the Bible, to read God's Word. The Christian is obedient Daily. The Christian rejects sin in the ways of man daily, thus a life of obedience and a life of rejection. That is, we refuse to be involved in sinful things. We see temptation, we do our best to turn away from it. It's not sin to be tempted. It is sin, however, to be drawn towards it and to embrace it. Christ was tempted in Matthew chapter 4. The difference is he did not give in. Mankind sometimes is not so strong. We do give in. And when we do, we must repent of those things. Thus, the Christian is obedient to God daily, and the Christian rejects sin in the ways of man daily. Secondly, the Christian is determined. The Christian is determined. I'm convinced no matter what you're doing in life, you want to accomplish something, you have to be determined to do it not just being loyal, but having that determination, you set goals for yourself, and you determine to do whatever it is you're trying to <coughs> trying to accomplish. And it began to the idea that a Christian does not give up, as some might say that, that failure or giving up is not an option. You know, I hear people talking about, you know, the light bulb, well, it took a thousand attempts before the, the last one finally worked. It means he tried 1,000 times to make a light bulb work before it finally did. Michael Jordan and other athletes have little videos and talk about sometimes how much they've failed. He talks about, Jordan does, how many times he's been entrusted with the game-winning shot, and he missed it. He talks about how many times he's missed shots and how many games he has lost and various things in the point he was making. Not that I'm a big fan of his or anything such as that, but he made a good point in saying that you keep on trying, that you can't win every single day. You can't win every single game. The Christian is going to have failures in life, like so many times, are, what makes us different is how we respond when we do fail. When we do fail to accomplish what it is we're trying to accomplish. But a Christian does not give up. Romans chapter 12, looking at verse 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. A life dedicated to the Lord is not out of the question. It's not unreasonable. It's what God deserves from those who love Him. It's what God deserves. Think about that phrase there, a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, a living one. A living sacrifice means it is made continually. Every day we give things up so we can be closer to God. Every day we sacrifice that may come between us and God so we can draw closer to Him. We do not quit on God. Hosea 6 and verse 4 tells us here, O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, and like the early dew, it goes away. How long does the dew last? Just until the sun comes up and dries it all up, Right? He's saying our faith can't be like that. Then when the heat rises, our faith disappears. No, our faith should remain. We think about three men from the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who quite literally faced the heat, didn't they? Cast, the Bible tells us, tells us, into a burning, fiery furnace, and yet their faith remained. The Bible tells us they knew that even the Lord could choose to save them or not, but regardless of what the Lord chose to do for them, they were not moving away from him. They remained faithful. We cannot allow our faithfulness to be like that morning cloud that just goes away. We cannot quit on God. God is always there for us, so let's make sure that he finds us near him. We must remember God is with us in the sunshine and in the rain. Limitations chapter 3 and verse 22 tells us, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Through what the Lord's mercies, because the Lord is merciful, we have opportunities to repent. Because the Lord is merciful, we can try and try again till the Lord returns, until Christ returns. Because the Lord is merciful, He tells us there in verse twenty-two, His compassions fail not we continue reading on their lamentations chapter 3 reading about how great god is what's interesting that you find how much great god is from a man by the name of jeremiah whose book was dedicated to lamenting over the condition of those who should have been following god thus lamentations right he was lamenting he was weeping over them but trying to remind them that the lord is with them if they will follow after them follow after him rather follow after god so the Christian does not give up. The Christian grows because of their determination. The Christian grows because of their determination. We must be those who have an open heart, an open mind to learn of God's word. No one grows in knowledge and faith by accident. Psalm 119 verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Open my eyes. you ever held an idea? That you thought was right and over time through study you came to realize you know what that's not quite right and we have to change our our thinking about whatever that may be. We have to realize that's not a bad thing to be proven to be shown from God's Word that what we thought was right wasn't right. We should be thankful shouldn't we? When Apollos was preaching there in the New Testament The Bible tells us he knew only the baptism of John. The Bible goes on to tell us that Aquila and Priscilla took him aside privately and explained to him the way of God more perfectly. What what did they do? They showed him concerning, as we can understand by context, about the baptism of Christ. You don't read about about Apollos flipping out, do you? No. You read about him following those events, continuing to preach the word of God, which we find by implication that he received what those individuals were trying to tell him. The way of God more perfectly. They opened his eyes concerning those things. We find in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, these familiar words, be diligent to present yourself to prove to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth, which is what? We go to God's word, we find out what the truth is in all things. And you find there in the same verse, he says, he says, but shun profane and idle babblings. You hear people sometimes say things, you think, where did you get that idea? We don't mean it to sound arrogant or rude, but you hear some interesting ideas sometimes, don't you? Should we readily accept them? Because someone's talking about the Bible, we think, well, they must be right, because, you know, they're saying it. No. We don't, we shun, that is we reject profane, which means it goes against God's word, and idle babblings, and some people just say things that just doesn't make any sense. They're kind of just babbling on about things they really know nothing about. He says, "For they will increase, notice this, to more ungodliness. He gives us a reason why we should shun those things because it doesn't do any good to listen to them. No, we want to stick to God's word. Psalm 111 and verse two, the works of the Lord are great, Studied by all who have pleasure in them. Studied by all who have pleasure in them. Do we have pleasure in reading and learning about God? Because we should. We realize that every day is different. Every day brings its own troubles and, and stresses. As we find there in Matthew chapter six, when he tells us, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not worry about tomorrow, or tomorrow waste what the trouble of tomorrow is sufficient, right? You don't worry about what could could not happen tomorrow. We have various stresses that come into our life, but we should strive to make sure that we read God's Word every day to study it. Because when we start off our day or spend at least some time of our day in God's Word, it should improve that day. It should encourage us that day. If we allow it to do so, and we approach it with the right attitude. Some lessons for us today Determined loyalty. That's what we've been talking about. I determined loyalty. This is what the Christian must possess to remain to the end. A determination to be loyal to Him. This determined loyalty is is an aim to walk just as He walked. First John 2 and verse 6, right? He, he says He abides in Him, ought Himself to walk just as He, he walked. Those are big words, right? Because He's talking about Christ. How did Christ walk? and step with God, following His commands. And that's how we walk, just as He walked. But unlike Christ, we stumble. We can make it right through repentance. But we strive to walk just as He walked. Failure to live as a Christian has consequences. You look at 1 Kings chapter 15, looking looking at, well, I don't have it on there, but 1 Kings chapter 15 Another way, First Kings chapter fifteen, and let's look together at verse twenty-five. First Kings chapter fifteen, verses uh, twenty-five and twenty-six. Now Nadab the son of Jeroboam became king over Israel in the second year of Asa king of Judah. He reigned over Israel two years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the way of his father and his sin by which he made Israel to sin. He walked in the way of his father. You know, sin has consequences. A lack of faithfulness has consequences. Failure to live as a Christian has consequences. You know, the lack of faith is seen by family, it's seen by friends, and it's seen by others. Returning to your old ways is seen by God and is condemned by Him. Right? These failures of faith will serve as an example to those closest to you. Look at now with me at 2 Kings chapter twenty-one, beginning in verse nineteen. Amon was twenty-two years old, or Amon rather was twenty-two years old, and he became king, became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. Now, what we want to focus on is, is this latter part. He did evil in the sight of his lord. I notice the phrase there as his father Manasseh had done. So he walked in all the ways that his father had walked, and he served the idols that his father had served and worshipped them. As a result, he forsook the Lord God of his fathers, so those are other fathers, not, right, not talking about his immediate father, and did not walk in the way of the Lord. Traditions can be good, but sometimes traditions, especially when it regards wickedness and unfaithfulness, those traditions deserve to come to an end, do they not? You know, just because things were done in the past doesn't mean they have to continue in the future. You think about those words. He did evil inside the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. You could sum it up with all that by just saying that. He did just like his father did. I mean, we can flip the script, can't we? And set an example that when we say someone does as a father did, we mean they follow after God. They put him first. They made him a priority, the top priority in their lives. We can change those things. Wickedness and unfaithfulness are some family traditions that deserve to come to an end. There are consequences when life ends. The Bible is clear about where the, where the unfaithful will spend their time. Torments and then ultimately hell for the unfaithful. No one is who is unfaithful will go unpunished. You know these failures can be avoided if we decide to avoid them. As we close this morning, we want to remember that when we keep God's commands, we have no need to be ashamed. In Psalm one nineteen verses five and six, he says, "Oh that my ways were directed to keep your statutes, then I would not be ashamed." when I look into your commandment, to all your commandments. If we're doing what is right, when we read God's word, we won't feel guilty about it. Because sometimes when we're doing what is not right in the sight of God, we open up God's word and we start to study and we realize, oh wait, that kind of stings a little. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. And he tells us here in verse 6, verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 119, he says, Then I will not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. If what? If our ways were directed to keep his statutes, if our lives were directed to follow God's commands, we open up God's word, we won't feel ashamed of what we find. Because we won't see that we are in opposition to God's word. We must remember God is always with the faithful. Jeremiah 20 and verse 11 tells us, The Lord is with me as a mighty awesome one, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. He talks about how all his acquaintances left him and all those who were friends to him just turned their back onto him. We find in verse 11, he reminds himself and for us today, the Lord is with us as a mighty awesome one. The King James says is a mighty terrible one. I think about how so many times it's awesome for God to be on our side. It's a terrible thing for he to be on the other side of us. For him, for us to find ourselves in opposition to him one final verse limitations chapter 3 and verse 25 the Lord is good to those who wait for him to, to the soul who seeks him dedicated loyalty means we are seeking after God we think about our own lives today the Christian our daily lives and if we're not a Christian things for us to consider because friends we have to realize there's only one way we get to heaven there's only one way that we get to avoid the torments and the eventual hell of the unfaithful individuals face. There's only one way we get to enjoy the paradise and then heaven that we as followers of God get to enjoy. And that's by obedience to his word. You know, we find as we look in throughout the Bible, as we've already mentioned, we find there in Romans, we find in Acts, we find in so many verses, God's plan for mankind's salvation. And it's God's plan, it's not man's plan. You know, we think about what God requires of us. It's nothing that any of us here cannot do. Can we hear the Word of God? Yes. Can we believe that it's truth, that it is the Word of God, that Christ is the Son of God? Yes. Can we repent of our sins? Yes. Will we do so? That's another question, isn't it? Will we confess that Christ is the Son of God? We can do that. Can we be immersed in baptism so our sins be washed away? According to Acts 2, verse 38, According to Acts 9, we can find we can do that, and we should. Both situations, Acts 9 Acts 2, the question is asked, what shall, I, what shall we do, Paul or Saul? Rather, what do you want me to do? And he saw later what he must do, which includes baptism. Because we find in Galatians 3, verse 27, as men were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, right? And then then we remain faithful unto death, Revelation 2 and verse 10. We follow God's commands, John 14, 15. None of those things are beyond our grasp. They're not so difficult we cannot do. The problem is, are we willing to do them? And then once we have followed God's commands as a Christian, as as a person who has obeyed those things, what about us who are already a Christian? What happens when we fall short? The Bible tells us we go to God in prayer, we confess our sins to him, repent of those things, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of those things. 1 John 1, verse 9. And we strive each and every day to have that dedicated loyalty to God, putting him first, and when we fail to do so, we repent of those things, and we try again. The Christian never quits. The Christian never quits. You know, we think about so many sport, you know, movies about sports and things, how there's always a time where at some point, at some point, somebody or some team wants to quit and just give up. But there's something that happens, something that is said, that causes them to push on forward, otherwise it wouldn't be a very good movie, to push on forward to not give up. We have to decide what that is, is what causes us not to give up. Is it going to be you, yourself, your own soul? Or is it going to be the souls of your children, your grandchildren, to push you on to remain faithful to God? Because if you give up, what, what in their eyes would keep them from doing the same thing? We want to be not just those who are determined, but be those who are an example of a determined loyalty to God. This morning, as you think about these things, we can help you or encourage you in any way I'm glad to do so. It's gonna be Sam sing the song has been selected.